Welcome to another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources. I'm Bill Wasner. With me is Jay Solomon. And Jay, guess what? I think we're going to talk about energy today, but it's a little different than the way we've talked about it in the past. Why don't you introduce our topic? Sure. Let's talk a little bit about renewable energy. Let's talk about solar energy in specific. We always talk about energy. Well, let's. I thought this time we might take it from a, a natural energy source, the sun. Uh, and it seems to be kind of a popular discussion item these days. Um, and one of the things that's kind of been an interest for a long time is the fact that if we could harness all the energy coming from the sun, it provides us with all the energy that we need, or it actually provides more energy than each day than what we totally consume. So yeah. how do we get at some of that? It's very plentiful. But why are we hearing more about it now than we did in past years, or at least it seems that way. It's it's not exactly a new idea. No, it's it's kind of come of age. Um, one of the things is, as you say, it's not new. The basic technology is the same as what we developed in the late 1960s, early 1970s, and really perfected in the 70s. Uh, there's a lot of those solar panels that are still out there being used. Um, the real thing has been both this looking at the carbon footprint and, and other things of, of getting away from fossil fuels. But as part of that and what drives the solar piece right now is it's actually gotten to the point where the cost per energy generator, electricity generated, is down to a level where it's competitive with other sources. Uh, and that's a little bit with the incentives, but it's also with just the machinery itself. Um, so we look at it um, we're finally getting to that point where we've talked about for a number of years, the economies of scale, which in that um, we've got the improved efficiencies in the manufacturing of the panels. We're getting more more kilowatts, more energy produced per square foot of, of panel, but also the overall process has gone down in cost uh, and the materials going into it as they, like anything else, as you've, you manufacture more of them, it tends to get cheaper. Uh, the other part of that is improvements in the, the other components, which kind of fall in that same category. Uh, improvements in inverter technology and uh, more demand for inverter technology, whether it be for solar or wind applications or a number of other applications out there that's driven uh, the cost of those and the availability of those has gone down quite a bit. Um, the other one, you know, installation cost has gone down. Uh, just people out there doing it, uh, learning how to do it and do it quicker. Um, if you build one house, it, it takes a while. If you build several of them, you get pretty good at it, and, and it kind of that, that economies of scale kicks in. So all of those have kind of kicked in. Um, and you can add that with the, the incentives that are out there that have been out for quite a while, whether it be the state and federal incentives, there are some commercial incentives, a lot of uh, industries looking at going to renewable energy as part of their their sales part and, and meeting their goals. Uh, and some local utilities looking at it as a way to uh, provide their energy locally uh, as well. So there's a number of, number of incentives out there that are driving some of that. Very good. So... What types of solar system, uh, not solar systems, systems uh, are going in for solar um, as people get into this around Illinois? 
Well, in the state, there's a in the state we're kind of following and behind some of the other locations uh, around the United States that are looking at this. There are kind of two areas that are really popular right now, and one is um, sometimes referred to as distributed generation or community solar. Uh, what we talk about the the solar farms, in other words, large large installations. Most of those uh, they're being installed and actually connected into the grid, very much like our large uh, wind farms are. So they're high voltage and they're supplying the community. The other side of it that uh, has gotten a lot of traction more recently is some of the residential and light industry applications. Basically, is that putting the solar panels and the power generation on the inside of the meter, so to speak, um, so that you're basically the person putting it in or the entity putting it in benefits from the power produced to offset their what they're buying off of the grid. So it's a it's a way to save money or at least lock in their cost on what their their energy cost. So that's kind of the two different groups that are out there. And in honesty, there's a lot of commonality and interrelationship of those. But uh, what's driving the two different sides of it is a little different. We might talk a little bit more about the the residential side of it because uh, uh, that's where a lot of a lot of people are starting to ask a lot of questions about it. So we we talked a little bit about the economics, but what other motivations might there be for using solar um, in these smaller applications? Well, and that really starts in one of my discussions of somebody who's thinking about doing it. What's what's your motivations? And there are a number of them. Uh, the one that's common across a, a lot of these applications is looking at uh, greenhouse gas reduction or reducing in dependence on fossil fuels uh, or the or reducing carbon footprint is also that same term that's that's used kind of looking at those two pieces of it and that drives a lot of folks to think about it from a what am I doing for the next generation what's what kind of impact am I having on the next next generation and we think about that from a natural resources standpoint that's something that's important to us but the piece that has to make it work is it has to be economically viable uh, it has to be an option that makes sense and is not going to be cost prohibitive and that's really when we talk about what's driving it that's what's what's come together is you had the ideology of why you want to do it and the economics have come together and you really look at it now as a way to either maybe not reduce your electric cost but to lock in a part of your electric energy cost going into the future. Um, and it's, it's a good way to both meet that ideolog- ideological piece of it, but also the economic piece of it. Because as we look at the newer technologies, the new advances in it, the large numbers being installed, the per kilowatt hour uh, energy produced off of a solar system can be very comparable to what we're paying uh, at least the mid to high end off of the grid. So it really makes good sense. And if we look at the potential for electricity to go up, now you've got a certain part of it that you know you're going to be paying X number of dollars going into the future for it. Very good. So uh, did you, 
want to talk a little bit about people that uh, are are just off grid completely, uh, and and that's going to involve um, battery uh, technology, I suppose. Yes, it is. I mean, and the off grid is kind of an interesting animal in itself because you've got a, a couple of pieces of that that I really should talk about. One is you've got those individuals who I'm going to go completely off grid. I'm just going to be totally self sustained, and that has to be both a a very well thought out decision and a lifestyle decision because you really are looking at with solar you've got power when the sun's out you either use it off a battery or or some other stored form uh at night uh and if you've got a group of cloudy days or you have a wet year like we've had this year you may have inter- limited energy production. Uh, so while it can be, and there are some some options for that, and there are a lot of people looking at that for uh, cabins and that kind of stuff as being a, a good way to do some of that kind of stuff. But there are also a lot of, quote-unquote, off-grid pieces that we can use, things like security lights. And if we think about it, all of the the new landscape lighting a lot of that is is solar totally disconnected solar it's a good way to create and get that lighting or other purposes uh out there without having to run electricity in it and it adding to our overall uh electric use running through the meter that's also part of what has led to the improved economics of solar panels. So we've got all these applications that have been involved that are quote unquote off grid. They're using solar panels and they've developed for that. And then all you do is you scale that up to the larger panels. Okay. So where should someone that's uh, just starting this process, where should they go for more information or uh, what should they be considering as they start this process? The real starting point is you need to decide that whole connected or disconnected on-grid or off-grid, most people are going to stay connected. In that case, you really, uh, one of the places is just contact your electric provider. They have a lot of information on things like the interconnect agreement, which what you have to do, how big you can be, and, and the incentives that they may have for you putting in a system. You need to really look at how much power do you need? How much energy are you using now? And then as part of that, have you looked at your energy efficiency opportunities? Because it still goes back to that energy efficiency piece of the power you never buy is the cheapest power you can get. So look at your energy efficiency, upgrading those things, then adding the solar piece to it. And as you look at the system should be sized to meet a percentage. It can be a high percentage of your power needs. All depends on when you and the utility does the the add up and figure out whether you use more or less energy from the from the grid uh, at that point uh, the thing you don't want to do is is have times when you're selling quite a bit back to the grid because um, you're buying uh, power at retail you'll sell it back at wholesale so it's a it's not a money-making option there opportunity so you know a lot of times we talk about systems that are 70 or 80 maybe even 90% of what your your use is during peak or during your average. Uh, next piece of it is shop around. Price, performance, 
and look at price, but also look at this. Is this somebody, is this a company that I can work with into the future? Because there's going to be some maintenance, some issues that need to be worked with so that. So look at both of those as you look at uh, individuals you're, you're working with or companies you're working with to install a system. So what resources um, are provided either by University of Illinois or State of Illinois? Well, a couple of places to start, and I always get the question about incentives. So a, a good place to start with that is there is a uh, database of state incentives for renewables and efficiency. It's D-S-I-R-E. Or if you Google that one, or the address is www.dsireus.org. That's a group that really works to keep those incentive local, state, uh, and federal incentives up to date. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is a really good uh, resource, especially looking at who the installers are, who that who has gone through some of their training processes that they've worked with. IllinoisSolar.org, and then the uh, our partner within Extension, the Energy Education Council, has a number of things on both renewables, solar, uh, and on energy efficiency. And it's one kind of we're collaborating with them on some pieces. Uh, and as we look at some of the new smart meter technology as well, how this plays together, uh, that's a group that I'm working with to bring up some new new resources. Very good. Well, for another edition of Spotlight on Natural Resources, this has been Bill Wiesner and Jay Solomon. <music>